can't sleep Ain't no sleep a coming I'm just lying here thinking about you I'm in deep Falling deep into the picture in my mind of everything we're gonna do Over at the lake and down by the river You can feel it start to rise I wanna jump in my car Go wherever you are Cause I need you by my side It's gonna be
In the same. 
can't sleep There ain't no sleep a coming I'm just lying here thinking about you I'm in deep, falling deep into the picture in my mind of everything we're gonna do Over at the lake and down by the river You can feel it start to rise I wanna jump in my car, go wherever you are Cause I need you by my side It's gonna be a Okay, I'll see. Yeah, hello everybody. Uh, welcome to Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio, amateur radio, shortwave, and electronics, and maybe a few other things. And uh, we really, really uh, welcome you in here tonight with us, especially if you're listening out there on WBCQ on 7490 on shortwave. Uh, love to hear from you. <clears throat> Uh, please send us an email to tom at w5kub.com, tom at 
W5KUB.com and let us know where in the world you are and uh, tell us how you're uh, hearing the station there. Now, I don't know if they, they got any snow up here today or not, but I think a week or two ago they had quite a bit of snow. There's a there's a good shot of a WBCQ, their feed line, and uh, what the weather's like up there, especially uh, the, uh, the long winters there. Hey, we're on about every uh, podcast carrier out there, iTunes, Google Play, iNet Radio, uh, you name it, we're out there. You can just listen listen to our audio or you can download the audio. So uh, we uh, want to give you the opportunity to find us there. Also, join our uh, Facebook group. Our Facebook group is just called W5KUB, and uh, we've got about 14,000 great ham radio members in that group. So uh, just go to W5KUB on Facebook, join it, and... Uh, uh, it it kind of follows the show here, and there's a lot of other stuff, too, that's not on the show, uh, which might help you. It's a great place to uh, just to talk ham radio there. Uh, if you will, uh, hit the uh, hit the subscribe button. Yeah. Let's see if I can help you out here. Subscribe button. It's somewhere. There we go. It should be right down there somewhere. Hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a whole lot to advertise a show to get new people in here. And if you hit the like button, that helps the YouTube to to see that people are watching us, and they'll also uh, start seeing it out to more people that are looking for shows about you know electronics, shortwave, ham radio, and so forth. So uh, please uh, please hit that subscribe button there too. Hit the notify button. We're going to start doing some webcast in between weeks on special things we're working on, maybe some product reviews or some bills, uh, building some things, uh, and uh, they'll probably be in between the shows. Uh, we'll still probably carry some of it on the show, but uh, to see the full video, uh, click on the uh, notify button so you'll know when those come on. Uh, let's see, what else I have to tell you tonight? Uh, I think we've got a good show tonight. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've uh, gone to uh, Ameritron. We looked at the Ameritron factory and assembly. We've gone to their uh, their metal shop, MFJ's metal shop, and uh, silk screening. And tonight we're going to go. This is this is something I did a while back, but it's still I think a really good quality video, and it shows you the operation behind the scenes uh, for MFJ Enterprises. And this is the this is the company MFJ where they make all the things like you know the antenna analyzers and tuners and and things like that. So. Uh, I'm, I'm with Martin F. Jew there, and we're going to be looking at uh, the last part of the show. We're going to be looking at the MFJ Enterprises behind the scenes. Um, we've got some ham fest coming up. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Um, and let's see, while I'm mentioning it, you know, I've been asking for, I've been asking for people. We've got a show project where we're going to convert a all-American 5 radio, there were millions of those made in the 50s and 60s. The All-American 5 radio, and I've been needing one, and nobody can find one. And there should, there should be millions of them right around. I, I want the, the, the 7-pin tubes, uh, the 7-pin the miniature type tubes here, and those tubes are like 50C5, 35W4, uh, 12AT6, and so forth. There's a picture of the tubes, there's a picture of the radios. And guess what? I'm going over to Russellville, Arkansas this weekend for the Ham Fest, and and I have I have located. Look at this! Somebody sent me a note. They're bringing me 
they're bringing me an All-American 5 to the Ham Fest, so we will have an All-American 5 uh, to try to convert to an AM broadcast transmitter. Although this radio has some trouble, the filter caps have gone bad, and uh, I will need to probably replace those. Oh, uh, let's see. What it, Martin's birthday is today. I didn't know that. No more show. I didn't either. Wow. Hopefully, yeah, no I, you know, I scoured Orlando's flea yeah. market, and there was not one of those radios there. Yeah, well, and it probably wouldn't be at the, the, the Russellville Ham Fest either, but I, I put it out on the Russellville Ham Radio uh, Facebook group page where, you know, you've got 800 people out there that are going to yeah. be coming to the Ham Fest. And uh, I told them, look in their attic, look in their basement, look in their barn, and, um, hey, it didn't take long. Somebody found one and said he'll bring it, so... Very cool. Well, so, I'm going to be going to Russellville, too, go. so that'll be fun. Say, what was that? Uh, I'm well, going to Russellville, too. Okay. Well, that, that's cool. Uh, you know, Kathy and I are going over. We don't know what we're going to do afterwards. We may go up. To, we may even, we may end up in Bryson or something. I don't know, man. Yeah. We may we, we may end up somewhere, maybe down to Hot Springs. I don't know. Uh, but uh, we don't get well, out that know, much. You there's a small... Um, uh, science fiction convention in Batesville, same weekend. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm thinking about hopping over there too on the, maybe on Sunday. Oh okay. Well now you know the the ham fest is only the one day. It's like eight to, right. to eight from eight to two, but you know, uh, it should be um, it should be a pretty good uh, ham fest I think. I, and, I'm uh, looking forward to it. And then from there I, I'm gonna take Kathy up on Mount Nebo. Uh, we went last time we were there. You know, this is my home away from home. I went to college there 55 years ago, and uh, uh, there's uh, Mount Nebo is there. And, uh, yeah, I've never been there. You've never been there. I you already been... go up here. Mount Nebo, the, the road is almost straight up. Uh, actually, it's a bunch of 180-degree turns. Yeah, and a very no, narrow I have road. Never been to that part of Arkansas. And uh, uh, you get up there, you'll overlook the Arkansas River, you'll overlook the dam, the locks, the the uh, uh, the Lake Dardanelle. Uh, you'll see for miles and miles. A lot of the guys here in Memphis uh, go to uh, Mount Nebo during the VHF contest. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Mount Nebo is a flat top. I'll call it a mountain. It's, it's only it's about 2,000 feet, which is pretty high around there. And uh, so it's a flat top. There, there are actually cabins up there. And the guys usually rent a cabin about, I don't know, six or eight of them go up there. They take tower yeah. up there. I don't know why they need a big tower. Uh, they're up 2,000 <laughs> feet for the VHF contest. And uh, it's really a good location for VHF when, you, when you're up 2,000 yeah. feet there. And nothing's that high around you, man, you know. Yeah, I'm oh, looking well. forward to, to going over that part of Arkansas. I've never been there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do it, and uh, we'll see you there. Uh, our friend uh, Walter, that used to be on the show here, that lived here, our FedEx retired FedEx pilot, he moved to Maumel, Arkansas, which is right there at Little Rock, and uh, he that is about uh, that's that's about an hour, maybe 60, 75 minute drive uh, from there to where the Hamfest is. So uh, he will be. He, he's going to come over. We'll get to see. Uh, we'll get to see Walter there. Uh, okay. So let's see. Man. Uh, announcements. Announcements. Uh, we'll talk more about the ham uh, fest coming up here in a minute. But uh, Glenn, you, you got anything special you want to tell us tonight, man? You know, since you're up, you're 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 
Oh, hey, you lost power today, man. You think they yeah. shut your power off because you quit uh, MLGNW? Um, yeah, it was a spite thing, I'm sure, except I'm not on MLGW. I'm on Entergy, so they, oh. they're in cahoots. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, no, actually, you know, it worked out. You know, it was, I didn't have anything planned, and I was just chilling. But, yeah, I've got a couple things. Um, this is a chapter from the new ARRL book that I've got coming. Yeah, uh, We're yeah. in the final stages of proofing and laying it out and stuff like that. So you can see, you know, this is basically what the book is is looking like at this point. And doing the same thing with the book that's coming from Elector. And I think they're both going to be out probably before April, if not mid-April. Uh, they're both just going absolutely crazy. As you can see, we're editing Chapter 15 of about 22 on the ARRL side. So we're getting real close to finishing there. <clears throat> and so that's, cool. that's, that's what I've been working on. And uh, I need this break in Russellville just to to recover because this yeah. is crazy i need a, i need a break too that's the reason we're going yeah it, i just i gotta get fun. out of here man I, you know uh gee. okay hey let's jump over and see what old uh, jim's doing here jim how you doing tonight man mm -hmm. and and i'm hey i'm glad you made it jim <laughs> glad i made it too <clears throat> good to be here hey glenn what's the book about the book's uh, about it, the books are about arduino um arduino the IRRL one is the best of my first three um, Arduino books for ham radio uh, with IRRL. And the Elector is uh, another collection of projects uh, of Arduino for ham radio. They include things like a lightning detector, rotator controllers, um, a little miniature weather station, just all kinds oh, of cool, cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Sounds like lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, now, now uh, hey, hey, Jim, I'm gonna have to give you, I'm gonna have to give you five demerits if you don't center uh -oh. yourself on the screen. Uh oh, I better hurry and center myself. Oh, no, you're I'm, okay. I'm you're okay, but, 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 uh, whoop, wrong way. There you go. Now you're looking you good, go. man. You're looking good. <laughs> That's right. I've been called worse than off center, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we're all, yeah. we're all a little, little off center. A little off center. Thanks. Yeah. But modulation, okay, not over modulation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Sounds like sounds yeah. like you're on plate modulation there, hundred percent. Hundred percent, yeah. Plate plate uh, modulation. That's this is not screen grid stuff. This is plate I'm, I'm modulation. Using eight, I, I'm using eight eleven A modulators. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say the plate's glowing a little bit blue. <laughs> yeah, all right. With um, five, uh, what are they eight seventy two rectifiers? Um, um, or eight sixty sixes and. You know, I don't know. I never use I never used you know, any of those uh, glowing vapor uh, uh, rectifiers. Yeah. I, I was always yeah. lucky enough to find some diodes. This, this now you is, see, this is going back a yeah. hundred years. So yeah, yeah. Most guys wouldn't know what I'm talking about, but uh, yeah. yeah, there were ways to generate an AM signal, and this is kind of what we're I'm doing okay weather here. We're supposed to get uh, a storm and a big one into the Sierra Nevada, so it's going to dump a bunch of snow. Uh, beginning at a couple thousand feet and higher, uh, will be, or since I don't live up in the mountain anymore, we'll just have some cold, rainy weather. But that's that's okay. We need the snow in the mountains. Otherwise, doing okay. And um, been working on the station and um, uh, one of the amplifiers. And I'll talk about that because I had to break out uh, a, a, a couple of bird watt meters and 
I'll show you about uh, what a bird watt meter, a bird 43 is. All right, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look at that in just a, a moment there. Looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, hey, that storm you're talking about, we're supposed to get it here too. I mean, I think when we get it here, it's going to be like severe weather. It's going to be, you know, hail, rain, wind, you know, that kind of stuff is what, yeah. what's going to happen here. The last shot of winter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's check in with uh, Brett real quick. What's going on, Brett? Come on in here, man. Say hello. Oh, hello, Tom. Yes. Uh, well, here in Laramie, Wyoming, we had a week of spring. And it was kind of strange in the middle of February to get a week of spring. But we did, and it was wonderful. And I went and climbed some towers and some roofs. And then yesterday we got winter again, and it was it was snowing. We got a couple of inches of snow. And so I went inside and I started making cables. And that's what I've been up to is here's a, one of the cables that I've been making. So I've been making power cables for the shack and just generally doing indoor stuff for the last couple of days. And that's pretty much what I've been up to. All right. Well, great. I'm glad you got something to do when the weather's bad. You stay in and you continue working, you know. All right. Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's just jump over here with, uh, Let's see what Jim's got. I think Jim's going to talk about some bird watt meters tonight. And uh, that's a nice watt meter. I've got a couple yeah. of them. And, and uh, I, I just ordered me a new slug today for it. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah. Uh, just real quick. It's um, before the show started, we were talking about and everybody uh, confirmed that the uh, standard of the industry for measuring the output of a transmitter um, on many different frequencies and power level is the uh, Bird 43, which has been around since the 1950s. It's a real simple design. Uh, and you mentioned a slug in the front. I've got to get my fingernail in here. In the front is a um, clip that holds a slug. You get the clip out of the way. And you pull the slug out. And the slugs are... Um, various frequencies and various power levels uh this one happens to be 250 watts at uh three to 30 megahertz um well jim for i did you get your slug the slug out or not Is it, yeah i did oh I've you got did it out. I'm, I'm holding it yeah okay good good yep so uh this bird device weighs maybe six seven eight pounds it's a, a heavy case um it's a highly accurate watt meter to a point, though. So there are different slugs, different frequencies. For example, at HF, there are several different values, like 50 watts and 250 watts and 1 kilowatt and 2,500 watts and, and uh, 5 kilowatts. And at other frequencies, like in the 2-meter range, um, they have different values. Uh, 50 watts, for example, as a typical slug for 2 meters. The inside... Um, of the uh, bird looks a little like this and um, turned the right way. Uh, this is the uh, line section that does the sampling. It's cast heavy, thick. Parts of it are more than a half inch thick. That's just how heavy the spart is. In this particular watt meter, I installed a peak reading device. And so there's a switch on the side to turn it on and off. And uh, that allows it to do uh, PEP. And 
here's the issue with a bird that you need to be aware of. It's a standard of the industry for like a steady state carrier. So <clears throat> you might be transmitting, I've got a bird dummy load. Um, you might be transmitting um, with your amplifier a kilowatt and you can measure that kilowatt with the bird watt meter. But if you switch to single sideband, it's no longer going to indicate a kilowatt. It's going to indicate maybe 200 watts on, on voice peaks because the meter is heavily damped. The device isn't meant to measure PEP unless you add a circuit board to it. Um, for I, more than 70 years, it really has been the device that, that people buy if they want an accurate watt meter. Um, this is the... I, I like the bird so much, I bought leather cases for them. Um, they're really pretty. They're lined. <laughs> and, uh, um, there's places to put in the, uh, the, the slugs. Also, um, I've got a heavy-duty case if I'm going to go outside and I need various slugs. Um, that's what's in here. So I've got uh, 2 meters, 440, and HF at various power levels. Um, another thing about the slug that Glenn mentioned, and I forgot to, to say it, um, the bird watt meter, uh, if you rotate the slug, this one, okay, if, uh, if you rotate the, uh, the slug, there's an arrow on it. That means it's measuring in that direction. So uh, the load would be out here and the transmitter would be over here. Now, if you rotate the slug, It's doing the opposite direction. So the slug tells you which direction it's reading, uh, either forward or reverse. And so there is no really no forward or reverse on it. You just have to orient, actually orientate the slug, orient the slug to um, indicate the direction that you want to read in. They're highly prized. They're fairly expensive. I think the units uh, at least to two hundred and fifty dollars. The slugs are. are probably average 100 to 150. Um, so it's a great device to have if you want to measure the output of a, an amplifier and you want an accurate measurement. They're, they're a wonderful uh, a watt meter. And as I said, they've been the standard of the industry for a very long time. And that's part of it too is, you know, when you say standard, you know, today we say watt meter or antenna analyzer or whatever. Back in the day, you needed a watt meter. You did not say, give me a watt meter. You said, give me a bird. That, yeah. Period. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, I it, want a it, bird. Just get the bird. If the FCC showed up at your front door, um, he'd, he'd probably be carrying a bird watt meter. Yes. As he did it at some friend's houses where they... Uh, Went in and measured the output of the uh, of the trans transmitter in uh, in California. Yep. Yeah. Well, just remember the bird's the word. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, cool. uh, did you uh, show me the case you've got there again, um, Jim? Which one? The, le the leather, the leather case, case you got with it. Uh, let's if you got yeah. it here, handy. Yeah, I do. Now that looks prettier. Let me show you something. That looks prettier than what I got. This I think I got a cheapie here. Let me see. Let me see if I can show you what I got. I got a cheapie. It's similar. I guess it's similar to what you have here. Yeah. But uh, 
it uh, it's it's pretty old and you know uh, not doing too there, good. There there are two seems to be two conditions that you find a bird watt meter in yeah. and the accessories. One, it's been used a lot. It's got some dings and it doesn't dent. You can chip the finish, but you're not going to dent that cast, yeah. cast yeah. body. So um, they're either well used or pristine and appear like they've never been used. Um, anyway, uh, it, it's one of my favorite devices because it's such a neat thing and it is so accurate uh, that if you're I compare everything to that. So I've got other watt meters like the uh, LP100A, and I calibrated that to the bird because the bird is accurate. Well, and I was showing you before the show started, I've got a couple of them, but uh, I did make a mod. There was an article out to put a mod on your bird, and you can see right here I've added this mod, this little uh, three-position switch. And uh, it'll give you uh, one times, two times, or five times, whatever your slug is. And uh, very easy to calibrate. You only calibrate two of these because one of them is already calibrated. But it's just a little, just a little uh, 25 uh, turn pot inside, uh, very precise, where you can set the uh, the wattage. And uh, so that that does help you from having to buy a lot of different or additional slugs. But are, I, are you switching resistors then to uh yeah what you're doing there is just uh you know the the um, uh, the meter here actually has to calibrate this meter it actually has a variable resistor uh in series of that meter and all they're doing is putting a switch in there and they're adding two more two more variable resistors where you can actually um, you can actually calibrate it uh, for two different two two additional power levels like uh, one times, five times, and two, two times. But uh, anyway, I did order another uh, slug today, and uh, uh, I don't have a VHF slug. I don't know how accurate this this slug says 400 to 1,000. I don't know if this this probably would not be very accurate at 144 megahertz. So I ordered me uh, a, a slug today that will handle 144. It seems all my slugs are 400 and higher. Now, do they still make this bird watt meter, or is it gone out of production? No, it it's you can buy it. On, I I went to their website; it's still there, along with the slugs. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Now, Whoever I think invented... I think there are some slugs out there that aren't made by bird that will fit this. Do you know Do you know about those, uh, Jim? Yeah, I do. Um, don't ask me the name; I forgot. Yeah, there are there are. I I probably whatever patent there was it is expired. There is a another brand of slugs they're a little bit less expensive but they're just yeah. as good yeah. yeah yeah they fit and turn just like that yeah yeah cool cool all right well hey thanks uh for t telling us about that and you know there's probably a lot of people uh especially newcomers to uh ham radio that didn't know that and that's why we're yeah. here to show them old things and new things right an old guy showing old things yeah yeah well, hey, that's what I, I like, the old things. I don't like the new things too much. In fact, man, Jim, I'm not a digital guy, man. When I get to working on digital stuff, I mean, modes, I pull my hair out. <laughs> I don't have a lot of hair left. Yeah, well, me, me, me either. Yeah, I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting now where I don't know what to do with this up here. Yeah, what's <laughs> this hair thing you guys are talking about? 
<laughs> uh, I don't know, man. All right. All right. Well, very good. Hey, Jim, thanks so much uh, for telling us about that. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week. Stick around. Lawrence, you can tonight with us. All right. I will. Um, yeah. th that just uh, chemo starts. Uh, I'll mention that real quick. Chemo starts again next week on Monday. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, it can be pretty debilitating. Yep. Okay, man. Well, yeah. take care. Take care. Hey, Brett, come on in here real quick. And uh, what do you mean? What kind of connectors? What have you been doing? Ah, yes. Well, I've been making cables, and the kind of cables that I have been making uh, are mostly power cables for my shack. And so, what I have here is cables using Anderson power poles. And uh, these are, uh, as Jim was saying before the show, they're uh, um, they're uh, difficult to to put together. But once you put them together and you use them, they are just a great convenience and uh, just tremendously handy to have in the shack. And I'll uh, I'll show you a little bit more about uh, about how they go together and about the Aries Races convention for these. Um, here we have uh, the Anderson power poles and as you can see they're they're here at the end of the cable and you notice that they're ganged together um, they can actually go together in about half a dozen different ways one above the other one next to the other um, so Aries Reese's uh, went ahead and standardized on a way to put them together and the way I remember uh, the, the order you're supposed to put them in is the same way you remember if you have a boat, which where the buoys are when you're going back to when you're when, when you're going back to port red on the right with the blocks on top. And uh, the nice thing about uh, power pole connectors is when you set them up this way, um, you can wire the two ends exactly the same and arrange the uh, blocks exactly the same and they will and the red will mate with the red and the black will mate with the black and they will just go together and you can't put them together the wrong way. So this is very handy in the shack. Um, once you get all of these set up and, 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 and get them polarized correctly, um, you can't plug them in the wrong way, reverse polarity and potentially blow something out, which is extremely handy. Um, now this one has a has a nice uh, jacket on it oh, over the connectors. Um, this one here, if you take a good look, you can see a little more of, of how they're put together. These are crimped on. And uh, what you do is you crimp the terminals on, then you slide them into the plastic shells and they lock into the plastic shells. Now, the plastic shells look the same. There's actually three different um, ampacities or, uh, or current levels that you can have for these. And they look all the same from the outside. Um, the um, Anderson power poles that are 15 amps and 30 amps and 45 amps are all exactly the same size and they'll mate with one another. So you need to be careful with your fuses and with how much current you're passing through them. What I did, because I, wa I wanted to have some cables that would power 100 watt radios, is that I went out uh, to Amazon and I found uh, 10 gauge uh, oxygen free speaker wire. And they the really good stranded speaker wire, very heavy, it's 10 gauge, so it'll so it'll handle tens of amps, you know, 30, 30 uh, typically this will handle about 30 amps. And I went and put them together and used the largest size of power poles to put them all together. And so I made these cables to, to go in my shack between uh, between all the radios and uh, and my power supply. And of course, I put the power poles, on uh, on all the cables which go to the radios all the proprietary plugs and now once i do that i don't have to worry about an icom plug versus a chemwood plug versus anything else 
I can plug anything into the in, in, into my uh, into my fuse blocks and it'll work. Now, the next thing you need after you assemble all these cables is you need a fuse block, and here's an example of one. This is a Chinese one that uh, that I got on uh, got on eBay, and as you can see, what they have is you know, you have the DC in here. And you can have a master fuse here that, uh, you know, that's basically the, ra the rating of your power supply. And then each of these other pairs of power poles is, uh, is protected by a fuse that can be, that can, that can be rated for, uh, for the device that you have and for the cable that you have. So you, have, you, can, you, can, keep your, uh, you can keep everything safe and uh, make, make sure make sure that you don't have you know you can have some overcurrent protection there so you don't uh, set anything on fire or blow anything out uh, but you can also keep things very organized and again these cables once you make them will plug directly into the set of power poles that you have here on the uh, you know on your fuse blocks now again this is a this is a generic chinese one there's also if you want to get a name brand uh, from from a reputable dealer that deals with hams West Mountain Radio um, is uh, is probably probably the best source of those, and they also sell the power pole connectors, and they also sell crimpers, which are very very handy. And they sell another tool which is very handy, which is an extractor tool, which helps you get the terminal back out of a power pole connector, if you get it in there and for some reason you need to redo it. Once you lock these terminals into the power pole connector, they are very hard to get out unless you have the extraction tool. And so if you're going to be dealing with power poles, I recemend that you spend the money on that and you spend the money on a good crimper. Um, so anyway, that's what I've been up to and I've been rewiring some things in my shack and uh, just generally uh, just generally making making things so the power works. And uh, again, this is just a, a very nice, uh, very nice thing to have, uh, not not only for ham radio, but really for for anything that's powered <laughs> with DC. It's uh, if if you use a lot of devices in your car, it's uh, it's very useful to set uh, to set up power poles this way. But anyway, that's what I've been up to. And uh, for more information on this, uh, if you look at the West Mountain Radio uh, website, west westmountainradio.com, they have all kinds of information about this. And the ARL the ARL. Uh, website also has some information about the Aries Racy standard for setting these up. So that's pretty much all I have for tonight. Just a small tip. Well, some you of the people, what? some of the people in the chat room are, are talking about the little pin that you can put in here to lock them together. I've never used that pin and never really had to. They they held, hold together pretty good without the pin, don't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they do. And as a matter of fact, you can just use crazy glue. Um, yeah. Anderson themselves recommend that what you do is you put a drop of crazy, crazy glue on and slide them together, and they will stay pretty much forever. Well, they will I be actually forever. Use uh, cut up Q-tips and insert them in that hole, and they'll get moist and expand and lock. Hmm. But they're Q-tips, so they're no issue I, with uh, metal falling anywhere. I, I use a bunch of those. In fact, you know, all, a lot of the new power supplies and things you get now have the power pole connectors on them, so. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good way to go standard, you know. Uh, I, I had to order some big ones. Uh, I've got a, some big UPSs uh, that uh, I've, I've got uh, 300 pounds of external batteries outside and uh, ran a cable out. And my UPSs uh, had a power pole connector on the back, but uh, those uh, those are about as big as your thumb, you know. Yeah. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how many I don't know how many amps uh, you know they, they they were, but there's some big <laughs> ones, man. 
Yeah, yeah. I got that for on my go box. Oh, just for folks who are wondering what uh, what pin we're talking about, if you take a look at the power pole connector, you see here in the middle where there's a little hole there. Yep. That's where you can put a locking pin to lock the two together. You know, these 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 connectors slide together, and then you can you can lock them. Um, but again, you'll notice you can see a little bit of the residual crazy glue here. I oh, just yeah. crazy well, glue them, and that works you, fine. You won't you yeah. won't get those apart. Now now <laughs> IOL here, he says he has an extract extraction tool, but he's had zero success. I, I don't have an extractor tool, but I I normally take a very small, little bitty, teeny weeny screwdriver, and I can disassemble them and and pull the the, the lug out. So yeah, um, yeah you can. Exactly. You just need and to practice. Way, as uh, as Tom was mentioning, the uh, um, these these are the uh, um, the 15 through 45 amp size. Uh, the the uh, there are larger power poles, and the ones he's talking about, I've used also. Those are for even larger amounts of current. Uh, you can get them for uh, for 100 amps, um, especially for a UPS. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I've had to deal with those too. Um, those are probably only useful in ham radio if you're using if you're trying to wire up an amplifier. And it uh, and the power supply uses more current rather than more voltage to to power it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim, you wanted to say something. You oh, muted. I think Jim was. Oh, up, there we Jim. go. Yeah, no, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn, I've turned the Vox back on. The, um, uh, the, the I was going to grab one of the extraction tools. It's got like a yellow plastic handle, and it's got. Um, uh, sort of a U-shaped end, so you can grab the end of the uh, power pole uh, connector and move it up, and then slide it out of uh, the plastic housing. And um, you just—I I think Brett's, Brett said it very well. There's a uh, red on the right with a block up, and then black next to it. That's the standard, and that's the way the equipment's also wired, like uh, Elecraft. You want to make sure that you do it correctly uh, one guy did it backwards plugged into the back of his helicraft and it wasn't pretty so um, you got to pay attention to that polarity and, and, and get them right uh, and those blocks are really handy I just bought another set like you have uh, to do some other equipment and, and plugged in everything so, yeah. to get it going Brett well yeah you know, I use go ahead Brett yeah the extraction tool is kind of it feels and looks kind of like a lock pick and it requires the same sort of skill to catch the contact just right and get it out. But it's something you can learn. You just need to practice it a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, Brett, what do you do when the uh, conductor is really small, like uh, uh, number eight, uh, less than number 18, maybe number 20, and you want to put it into uh, uh, like the 15-amp connector? Any tricks for uh, crimp? And by the way, you also said crimp. You're not supposed to solder those, correct? You're supposed to crimp them only. Um, you definitely have to crimp them. You can put some solder on for good measure if you'd like. And some people, you know, that that's really a matter of personal taste. But definitely crimp them. And if you've got a really small wire, make sure that the fuse is rated for that. Make sure that you use like a one amp, uh, a one amp auto fuse in there. Um, and when you go to crimp it, double the uh, wire back on itself a couple of times and then put it in the mm -hmm. crimper. And that'll that'll let you crimp a pretty small wire. I have uh, I have a couple of small things. I, I have one watt meter, which is an MFJ watt meter that I that I put a power pole on, that has just a little light bulb in it, 
and that takes very little current. It has very thin wires. And that's what I did in order to connect it. I double I, I doubled the wire back on itself twice and then I crimped a power pole on. Okay. Good yeah. advice. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And now in my case, I never heard about the you don't solder on those things. So anytime I get a small wire, I do what Brett said. I double it over, crimp it, and then I solder it. Yeah. I, I, I do I do the same. I do the same. The thing is though, if you get too much solder on there, it won't yeah. fit in. It will not fit yeah. in there. So you gotta yeah, be careful. You gotta get the solder inside the yeah, the inside yeah. piece, not yeah. on the outside. If you, get, if you get it on the outside, you're going to be in trouble trying yeah, to correct. insert the thing. Yeah. 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 One thing about the crimper itself, there are two types of crimpers that I'm aware of. One is a standard pair of pliers style. I do not recommend those. There's a nice ratcheting style uh, crimper that with interchangeable, Brett, what do they call those? The die. Die. No, die. Yeah, there are, di there are different jaws. And, yeah. and dies that you can put into the jaws that, uh, you know, that, that lets you crimp different things. Act, nice actually, thing I, I, I designed the dies uh, with a company in, in uh, uh, South Korea that you find on the internet. That, those dies were partly my design because they would send a copy of it. Cool. The other one that I, I use is a um, this kind of a tool. But yeah. you have to be careful because if you bend... Uh, the uh, uh, the contact the the piece that's doing the conducting, if you bend that thing, it's going to be trouble getting into the housing. Mm -hmm. It really needs to be pristine. Uh, if it's bent or deformed in any way, or if you have a bunch of solder on the outside, it's not going to fit. And the other thing too is when you put it in, as Brett had mentioned, it, uh, the the um, the end of that contact has sort of a downward bend to it, and it has to go over existing metal on the inside and so it'll click and if if it clicks it's probably good if you don't hear the click you probably haven't pushed it far enough in into that housing yeah i much prefer that die based uh crimper with the ratcheting uh you get just the right amount of crimp with it you know it's basically automatic plus you can swap the dies out and use it for standard crimp lugs and even the uh rj11 and rj45 ethernet and regular telephone uh connectors yeah and so oh, I, and, I love being able to swap those dies and coax connectors um, that too yes yeah so they have the, the same crimp tool that ratchets uh you can get uh one that'll uh crimp a uh a standard uh coax connector on lmr 400 rg213 that kind of thing rg8x yeah, I have both of those. So, yeah, I, I love them. I love that tool. All right, yep. guys, we need to move on. we got several things to talk about tonight. Uh, but, hey, Brett, thanks so much, man. Everybody needs power poles. i got a whole drawer full, full of them in here. Oh, and, I hey, as I, if I, as I start adding stuff, I'm starting to see it's a hassle when you have mixed ways to hook stuff up. So I'm kind of trying to convert and get everything the same, you know, like on power poles. So. That's a, that's a good solution to the power poles. All right. Hey, uh, guys, let me just mention, we got the, uh, we got the ham fest. I want to call it the Russell. It's not the Russellville ham fest. It's the Arkansas river Valley amateur radio foundation, I think is what it's called. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, if you look up Russellville ham fest, you'll find it. it and, uh, it's going to be in Dardanelle, Arkansas, this coming weekend. And Glenn's going to go over. 
Kathy and I are going to go over. Um, this is Saturday only. Uh, kind of small, but uh, I think it'll be good. And uh, like Glenn was saying earlier, you know, I'm ready to get out of Dodge and 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 and, and start breathing some air outside and feeling better. You know. And uh, so we're going to go to that. That's uh, that's my college town where I grew up. Well, when I say grew up, I guess I grew up, you know, from 18 to my, my 20s anyway. Uh, so that's where we're going. Uh, this will be my second time back in about 50 years, I guess. So it's going to be interesting getting over there. Uh, we've already talked about Mount Nebo there. Uh, so let me put their let me put their slide up here on their Hamfest right here. Is that it? Yeah, Arkansas River Valley Hamfest right there, Dardanelle Community Center, March the second. So we are going to go over and we will uh, we'll get some video. We're not gonna we're not gonna webcast it live. And Glenn, by the way, Glenn, um, they're giving us a a table. Uh, oh. They're sold out, but they're giving us a table. And um, we're going to put our banner up, Glenn. So you'll have a place to park here, Glenn, and leave all the you stuff go. you buy. You, know, you can put it under the table there, and you can sign autographs and stuff, you know. Okay, they're, uh, they're yeah, at our I'll table. I'll do that, too. Yeah. Well, you know, the best part, they're, of course, they're going to have door prizes and raffle prizes and stuff. But you know the best part about that? What's that? It's just you and me. There's no Joe Eisenberg. Yeah, but you know what? I'm not even buying a ticket to, to, even for prizes. I'm not even going to buy a uh, single ticket. I am. Uh, this this well, time, I'm, I'm just not. more for me. I'm you know just, I won two prizes in Orlando. I, I know it, man. I know it. So, yeah. You lucky looking. thing, you. But, yeah, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going for any prizes here. They got a couple nice prizes out there, though. See, I, I rubbed my tickets against Joe Eisenberg before I threw him into the drum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He won, like, six prizes there. So, yeah, he's he's magic when it comes to that stuff. All right. And in the other ham fest coming up about two weeks later is the West Tennessee ham fest. This is a, this is going to be a small ham fest. It's north of uh, Jackson, Tennessee. It's in Trenton, Tennessee. It's probably an hour and a half drive from here. I think Glenn, you said you would probably want to ride up there with me, so we'll probably head yeah. up there. I, I've got to do a forum up there. Uh, I volunteered to do that. They asked me if I would, and I said sure. So uh, we're going to do that. That's going to be on March the 16th. Right. But then I think the uh, next week, uh, after we get back from Russellville, I'm going to be at the Noshiba uh, Ham Club, and they've asked me to do a, a presentation on Pico Balloons. So uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, be doing, I'll be doing that. Uh, so going to be busy the next couple of weeks. But uh, if you're in Tennessee or Kentucky, uh, you know, Mississippi, try to, try to check us out here at the West Tennessee Ham Fest. And then on April 6th, you've got the Memphis Free Fest. Memphis and Free Memphis. Fest, April April 6th. Yep, that's that's a pretty good one. It's a one day, but it's it's a nice ham fest, and we'll be going yeah. to it. And then on I April the 8th, then April the 8th, I think it's the 8th, we've got the Total Eclipse. I picked up my Eclipse sunglasses today. Yeah, yeah. So I am prepared and ready. I ordered uh, a couple days ago. I got them in today. Uh, I ordered 10 solar sunglasses, you know. I read where my welding, uh, uh, my welding helmet and shield is not government certified to block all the rays. So I went ahead and bought the certified glasses, you know. 
Yeah, the dollar eighty-five paper. Yeah, ones. whatever they are, I got ten of they're them. Better so. than your, they're better than your welder. Yeah, maybe I should weld with it with them. I don't know. Man, yeah, I, there you I, go. I guess you could put those little yeah, cardboard now, glasses on, do some welding, you know. Now, WD8IOL is saying the Toledo, Ohio Mobile Radio Association Ham Fest is March 17th. Man, there's a bunch of them here at Toledo. We're that's that's too far. Ham Fest season, man. That's yeah, too far for me far. to go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, let me, let me, while we're on Ham Fest, let me, let me just mention this, guys. I was wanting to do a high impact Saturday uh, Dayton Hamvention webcast and give away a lot of prizes maybe a few thousand dollars in prizes. But I have been asking for volunteers. I went to the Dayton uh, Facebook page, and I went to other pages. I'm asking for people that could be, you know, a roving reporter for us. Just take your smartphone and walk around and give us some video for maybe 30 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes in the afternoon. I've got about two volunteers. I need about 10 to make the show work. I'm about to decide that we will not be doing a Hamvention webcast this year, and uh, that uh, that's going to end a streak of about 20 years uh, of web of a Hamvention webcast. So, guys, unless uh, unless somebody comes through and says they want to be a roving reporter for uh, for our, our channel here, and what we would do, we'll, you have your smartphone. You just walk around a flea market, show us what you're looking at, talk to people, and uh, uh, that's all it requires. We'll have your audio and video coming back. We'll patch you into the show. I'll be here in the studio. We'll patch you into the show, and uh, uh, we can have up to maybe uh, 10 different camera feeds going even at the same time. And when one gets exciting, we can flip to it. But if I can't get about 10 people to volunteer, we're going to call this thing off, and I've got to do that soon because uh, typically it takes me about a month to round up all the prizes and to build a web page and show all the prizes and all that. It's a lot of work. Uh, if I don't get the 10 volunteers, we're not going to do it, and that'll save me a lot of work and also save me a lot of work afterwards because it usually takes three or four days afterwards that where I have to notify the vendors and get the prizes shipped out to everybody and you know, handle everything. So we, you know, we may not do it. We, we more than likely we won't do it. Now, Huntsville, Huntsville is dear in my heart. The Huntsville Ham Fest is, and they've always taken really good care of us and gave us a great booth up there. We've always webcasted it, but guys, I think I probably will not webcast it live this year. We will take some video and uh, we'll probably just uh, show it on the show the Tuesday after the uh, Huntsville Ham Fest. I want to go and look around. Uh, for 20 years doing the show, I have not had an opportunity to just walk around and talk with people off camera because we really never had any real help to, you know, you know, we needed we, we needed uh, you know three or four camera guys to go around and do stuff instead of me trying to to do it all. So. Uh, I want to enjoy it. I want to walk around. I want to look at stuff. Man, I want to buy a KWM-2A here, and I want to buy this, and I want to buy that. You know, all that stuff I've been looking at. So um, I'm going to go enjoy it. I'll get some, some, you know, some video. We'll show it on the show. But uh, that's probably going to be the extent of our, our uh, 
it looks like to me that um, time has come uh, where we probably won't be webcasting live Hamfest uh, any any longer. But you know, I'm thinking, okay, I've rounded up thousands and thousands of dollars of prizes for these Hamfest. I might try to work it out where we still round up prizes, but we we give them out every week on the show. Uh, that will be my new goal. That for everybody that watches on a Tuesday night, we'll have Hambot come in here on Tuesday night and give somebody a prize every Tuesday. So that may be the direction we're going here, guys. So just wanted you to know that. Coming up, uh, I think we got uh, uh, Glenn is uh, talked to Dr. Is it Dr. Duino or Dr. Dr. R. Duino? It's Dr. Duino. Dr. Duino. He's talked to Dr. Duino, and I think he's going to be with us maybe in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll let yeah. you know more about that later. Yeah, our schedules are kind of conflicting because, um, you know, next week we're going to be reviewing the, the Russellville Ham Fest, and the following week I'm out doing a seminar at the Delta Club here in Memphis. And uh, then we've got Russellville after that. So we're talking probably closer to the end of the month. We'll get him on here okay. and uh, have him talking about his new products and what he's doing. He's one of the premier... Um, folks building Arduino development systems, introductory packages, learning um, packages, things like that. And uh, he's very good with that stuff. And uh, he'll be a lot of fun to have on. We've had him here before. Yeah, okay, cool. All right. All right, so uh, let's see. I think we're... I think we're going to take just a quick, a real quick break here, and then we're going to go see Martin F. Jew, and uh, we're going to be looking at um, kind of a tour of MFJ Enterprises. This is something I did a while back, but it, I think it's still uh, very, uh, uh, very up to date to see, except I have a really bad hair day there, and uh, I think it was very hot that day. It looked like I was sweating a lot, and uh, I don't know. So just disregard, uh, disregard your reporter and just watch the video and you're going to, have to see all the, uh, uh, all the behind the scenes of building everything from, uh, you know, the coils and the, the, the rotary capacitors to tuners to antenna analyzers. You're going to see how they wind the toroids. You're going to see everything in there. Uh, but that's coming up uh, in just a moment and uh, uh, we'll be right back. Don't go away. Keep the competitive contesting edge of ICOM. Our innovative and high-power base stations cut through pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Heard it, worked it, logged it. The IC7300 is an industry first using RF direct sampling system in an entry-level HF radio. This compact high-performance and innovative transceiver will far exceed your expectations. The real HF fun starts here. The 7300 has RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a 4.3 inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and an SD memory card slot. For further information about ICOM radios, go to www.icomamerica.com slash amateur. Okay. Hey, uh... Jim has something he wanted to tell us. Man, California has come out with uh, something new. What? T tell us, Jim. 
Oh, we're we're special here. We do a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, one of them. See if I can put it up on the screen. Uh, yeah, there it goes. Here we go. I'll disappear and it should come up. So this is a a California license plate, and apparently the DMV is issuing uh, this sticker in Whoa. place of a metal plate. A lot of cars don't have a a holder for a license plate, so uh, this apparently is what they're going to be issuing is a sticker for the front of the vehicle. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Did, are you able to see that okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, now, what if you're, uh, are those letters black? Like the uh, They're blue, actually. They're so blue? it's blue with a white, yeah. The what if you have, plate, what if you have a blue car, you know, all the bumpers are plastic now, and you got a blue bumper up here, and you slap that on there? Well, the the, uh, the the field is white. Oh, yeah, it uh, is Cal white. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, the field California is white. California is red. So it's a red, white, and a blue license plate. Why didn't plate. I think of that? Yeah. I don't know. Man. So that's, that's um, we're so in the hole with a gigantic deficit that this is probably a way to save some money at the DMV, which um, is doing a lot of things uh, remotely. Yeah. I don't yeah. You don't you don't go there much anymore. Well, a good inkjet printer, and I wouldn't have to buy a license plate. You know, you know, we're uh, we only have one license here, and it's on the back. Uh, that's if you want to put it back there. You know, I mean, we uh, we don't require a front one. I'm surprised you, don't, you do not. No, it's no. Uh, they're reading them automatically now. Yeah, the uh, uh, the traffic lights have cameras mounted, and they're reading those uh, front license plates and keeping track of them. So when you go through an intersection. In many parts of California, it's registered on that camera. Yeah, Period. now is that uh, if you peel that thing off, let's say you move to a different state, and you want to peel that off. Does it mess your bumper up? I don't is it like know. is it like it's is it like those bumper stickers we used to get back in the sixties? You know, you put them on that chrome bumper, and then you try to tear it off, and it sticks on there, and you can't get it yeah. off. And... I for me, it's a brand new idea. I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh man, I I I, I don't know. Yeah, that uh, would be a mess trying to get it off if they did it like the anti-theft on the little tags they give us for our plates. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's yeah, right. That would yeah. be a mess. What happens if you sell the car or get a yeah. vanity plate? Oh, well, you got a problem there. What if you get there. a radio plate with your call well, sign? Well, you may have to transfer your tag with it. No, yeah. In no, you California... keep the bumper. <laughs> well, go ahead, Jim. What? In California? Yeah, in California, the license plate, if you, if you have the ham radio or... A special license plate. That plate belongs to you, and you you transfer it to the next vehicle. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, as but far how are you as you're going to move the the bumper from one car to the other, uh, you're going to have to unbolt the darn thing. Yeah, yeah know, that's going to be rough. <laughs> well, next up it, is universal bumper mounts. Well, yeah, well, you know what? Hey, that's a good idea. Hey, 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 Glenn, why don't we start up? Why don't we make stickers like that for ham radio? calls and sell them for people stick them on their car yeah we can do that i think this new thing is nothing but trouble but <laughs> a yeah, lot of stuff in, a lot of stuff out here is nothing but trouble yeah it's kind of got that look that it hasn't been fully thought through yet well yeah i don't know i'll be all right all right so um let me just uh quickly make this announcement and then we're going to go over to MFJ. 
So you're listening to or watching Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about shortwave and ham radio. Uh, we're on every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time on W5KUB if you want to join our live show. And if you're out there listening on WBCQ, you're listening on shortwave to our show on Thursdays between 5 and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on 7490. Uh, thanks for watching and being with us tonight. We're going to go now to uh, our friend Martin F. Jew down in Stark, Vegas. You didn't know we had a Vegas down here. But down in Stark, Vegas, Mississippi. So let me see if I can cue that up here. And let's see how it, how it looks here. Hopefully the audio is a little better than it was last week. Hey guys, welcome to MFJ. I'm here with uh, Martin F. Jew, founder of uh, MFJ. Everybody knows Martin. He's on our show all the time, and we always like visiting and looking at all the uh, vintage stuff. Yeah, we're here. probably not audible uh, now. This is the happy place, man. Are you? You guys hearing the audio? Your, your middle name. I can hear. You. I can fun, hear the audio right? through the, the, the mic. F stands for fun, right? That's right. Yeah. F U and my middle name. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh. How is Martin doing in terms of selling the business? Driver's license, and you can see it. I don't know, but stand stand by. Right, we're, so we're talking over the show. middle name there. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Hey, you had anything new, uh, Ed? Uh, if uh, hey, our cameraman is Ed Harrison tonight. Thank you, uh, Ed, for being with us. And look again, guys. If you've never seen this uh, the vintage equipment here uh, in uh, Martin's uh, office, take a look at this. Boy, there's more behind there. Martin, you got anything new lately? Um, I don't think there's anything new up here. It's been rearranged. There may be some new stuff. I think you probably have bought everything is out there. You got one model of everything. Uh, did you get that up there yet? Any of that? Look at that. Hey, this was uh, that was a neat transmitter. That was my transmitter back. I built that in my novice days. 150 watts VFO. Of course, as a novice, we had to run a crystal, and it could only run 75 watts. And look around this way. He's got my first receiver, man. This was uh, this Helicrafter's uh, receiver here. SX140 was my first receiver. Brings back old times. Suitcase up here. What is that? Instructor graph. It taught Morse code using uh, paper tape. That cardboard box above it is a box of tapes, paper tapes, and it would play Morse code and. That's how you would learn it. It's a military device. Yeah, I, I've seen those. Hey, uh, uh, let's just look around here a little bit more and see what we got. Uh, you got your famous picture there. Now, the, this is your store where you grew up. You had your ham shack upstairs in the attic. And, and Martin tells us he didn't even have a floor up in the attic. I don't know how that worked out. Now, tell us about the dog. Do you know who that dog was? Yeah, that's Pokey. That's a, a, a German Shepherd that used to uh, be our uh, pet back then. But if you look over there to the right of the door, that tank, that's a Kolar tank, C-O-A-L, kerosene. Cool. Yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. They used it in uh, Kolar lamps. Uh, lots of folks didn't have electricity back then. So in that little store, you, you, you guys, now, 
you started working in a store when you were really young. How 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 old were you when you started working here? Uh, we were about six years old. I mean, we had to stand on milk crates so we could see people above the counter. <laughs> oh man! So and you did a little bit of everything. You sold coal oil in there. You uh, was it kind of like a general store? Did you sell uh, nails and stuff? Well, um, mainly, food. mainly food. We sold some hardware. Um, we sold uh, meat, uh, canned goods, um, sacks of flour, uh, carbide lights. Uh, you probably don't even know what carbide light is. Yeah. Yeah. No, we sold hammer. I was always afraid I might catch your hair on fire with a carbide light, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Well, you know, we don't have that problem now. Um, so, so, uh, we lived in the back of the store, and we got climb upstairs into the attic and uh, uh, set up the ham shack. All right. Well, tell me here how you hooked your antenna up. This is the store right here. Now, did, did you have a, a a vent or something up here in the attic where you'd run the wire out? Out the back. It went all the way out the back. There was a big thing, you know, where you put a big attic fan. Well, we didn't have an attic fan, but there's a big hole with louvers back there, and I would run the wire out and and uh, just kind of nail the antenna along the eaves uh, at the beginning, and then after a while, I went out to some trees. Went out to some of the trees here. Well, this is cool here. Now, you, you and your family lived, I think, in that yeah, store, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Now, we, uh, there at one time, there were 11 of us that lived in the back of that store. You're going to have to tell us the story. I, I've got a little short video on you cutting the cheese. You want to talk about the cheese? Oh, yeah. Well, um, let's see. That was uh, king of cotton back in that, during that time. Um, the, everywhere there was cotton around, on the side of the store, uh, uh, cotton fields, and, and planes would... Uh, biplanes would come and spray DDT on the cotton, and we as kids would run out in the cotton field, lay down so, you know, we'd get up all yellow with DDT. Oh, yeah. But anyway, there were uh, cotton choppers, and what they did was to chop the weeds uh, out of the rows of cotton. And during lunchtime, they would get truckloads of people come in and buy lunch. And they would uh, always order 15 cents worth of cheese, a package of crackers, and uh, RC Cola. So I would have to cut 15 cents worth of cheese from a hoop using a hand knife. Well, you you know, I couldn't always cut 15 cents worth. So I would ask them, is 17 cents okay? And I said, no, 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 I want 15 cents worth. So I just take a bite off the oh. cheese. Hey, you're talking about RC Colas. Did, I, I bet you guys sold moon pies back in, too. Uh, we sold lots of moon pies. Moon pies, man. Moon pies, that, that's, a good, that's a good snack in the South, RC Cola and a moon pie, right? Yep, good snack. And the other story that just fascinates me is I, I, I know you were talking about dragging a piece of meat down the hallway that was almost as heavy as you. How did you do that? Well, we had a big walk-in cooler and there were four quarters of beef hanging on hooks and you had to take that and bring it out and to the saw and uh, 
the cleaver and cut it up. Well, sometimes those uh, four quarters were so big I couldn't pick them up. So I just dragged them across the floor to the butcher block, you know. Now, did, did you actually cut the meat yourself? Yeah, yeah, I cut the meat. You being of uh, Chinese heritage, was there any? Did, is there any special way to cut meat? I mean, I've been to Hong Kong many times and in places, and man, you know, the meat I, I saw over there it looks like to me they chased it down the street with an axe and just chopped it up. However, they could chop it up, man. I mean, how did you cut the meat? Did you do it right? Well, you know, we did it the way our customers want it. This was just regular. Uh, cuts of meat the 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 way that uh, the folks down in Mississippi like it uh, you know just uh, steaks and and uh, pork chops and just just cuts of meats. So, so you grew up in the Delta down on Highway 61 down here. You know, I grew up in the Delta on Highway 61 up in Arkansas, not too far from you. Um, uh, so, uh, our paths kind of cross in that area. You got your license a little bit before me. When, when did you get yours? About 1960? Uh, 1960, yeah. I think it was. Well, like. you, you beat me. I was 16, but I got mine in 64. And, and what age did you get your license? I was 16, too. And that that Highway 61, you know, that's the famous blues highways that came all the way from Baton Rouge, most southern part of the country all the way up to Canada. Famous, famous, and especially right through your area, my area was cotton cotton country there. Hey, did you, I, I, I know you served the cotton choppers and people like that, but did you serve anything exotic like uh, Peking duck or anything? Did you ever have Peking duck there? No, but we sell a lot of neck bones. Neck bones, huh? Okay. Well, you know, I've never eaten a neck bone myself, but I would imagine... Oh, neck bones are great. You know, it's meat that falls off the bones and cook with black-eyed peas. Oh, it's great. You know, lots of soul food. Well, I tell you, I like the black-eyed peas, but I like cornbread with it. What about you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Cornbread, turnip greens. Uh, turnip greens good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, now my, my wife likes spinach. That's, it looks kind of like turnip greens, but I, I like the turnip greens better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't eat much spinach, mostly turnip greens. Collard greens, uh, let's see, I can't remember now, black-eyed peas, things like pig ears, oxtail. You, you had pig ears and oxtail? Uh, yeah, yeah. You eat it or just sell it? Oh, no, we sold it and ate it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, uh, what about, you, you like asparagus? I don't like asparagus. No, I don't. Asparagus, yeah. You know, Martin, I went in the Air Force and I was in the chow hall and... I thought I got green beans, and I was eating those things here in, in, in basic training, and I said, man, these are some slimy green beans. And the guy said, that's asparagus. <laughs> well, look, hey, let's, uh, let's uh, get our cameraman to follow us. Let's walk through the other side over here. I just, you got some neat things you've been, this is where you kind of experiment, isn't it? You, you kind of work on stuff and experiment over here. Yeah, I guess that's a nice way of saying Come on in here. Yeah, this thing here that um, step over here, Mark, right here. Tell us what you got going here, man. That's a OHW16. That's an old novice uh, heat kit. Um, it's really a transmitter and a receiver, 
Um, didn't have a VFO. You used crystals on it. And um, it was designed for the novice. Um, it had uh, 80 meters, 40 meters, and 15 meters. And uh, I'm just um, uh, taking the 15-meter band and converting it into the 20-meter band. Uh, I'm just okay. playing around. And here's some homebrew stuff. Well, you, that's a, just a tube, maybe some type tube radio that you built here? Or? Uh, yeah, that was um, oh, yeah. a uh, tube transmitter. A tube transmitter. I see the tube there. Yeah, Look at there. Piece of PC board with a hose cut for the tube. Yep. You're just playing. That's nothing you're thinking about selling with the MFG, is it? Nah, uh, tubes are out, right? Tubes are out. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's, uh, hey, let's scoot on down here if we can. Boy, man. Now, the, I don't know. I think you got some new stuff. Hey, this uh, Span Master. Now, tell us about the oh, Span Master. That is a new one. That's, um, this was back in the uh, 50s and 60s. That's a night kit. And um, this one was that. Nightkit had three regenerative receivers, the Ocean Hopper, the Span Master, and the Space Spanner. And I started off with the Space Spanner. I have one or two of them over here. But the Span Master was the top of the line, and um, it had a, a regenerative control and a fine regen control. Um, I see, that one is new. Um, this thing here, I think is what is that? That's a multiplexer, uh, key multiplexer. Okay, yeah, key, yeah, key multiplier. You got stuff in here you've you've collected. You don't even know what it is. Yeah, right. here's a here's a uh, lunchbox, heat kit lunchbox. Now was that two meter or six meter? Well, let's see which one. They, they made they made both, uh, didn't they? Yeah, they made six meters, two meters, ten meters, um, and that is a Conar. Conar, yeah. Yep. And the matching transmitter down here. Wow, so that's cool here. <clears throat> well, man, I, I just, I, I, it's like Christmas every time I come, Martin. Uh, we have a, a great time, a great time here. We'll, uh, we'll walk back in the office here, and I know we're uh, just seeing uh, very small parts of this. Hey, hey, here's an old, uh, arc, is it an ARC-5? ARC-5, now that was a yeah. transmitter, right? Well, Oh, the arc fives receiver. Yeah. Okay. So what was that all? You know. You know uh, this military stuff back in the early '60s, '50s. Uh, you could get your hands on it pretty good, pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people use these for, or the transmitter, I guess, for a VFO. You know, for some of the rigs. Well, they did. What you're holding in your hand is a complete 80 meter receiver, three to six megahertz. Fine tuning. Yeah. Um, I think you um, seemed like you had to put a VFO con switch on so you turn it on and off. Just read you. It was wired up. I think for yeah. 24 volts and you rewired a filament. All right, I see something here interesting. Let me get it out here. I want you to tell us what this is. This is uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is, is this something? Is this something real? Is this real? Is this uh, a antenna for uh, for your house? This telescopes up, 
is uh, loaded. You can Step push. <coughs> you can push this up against the wall, okay. and extend oh, and these out. Telescoping. Yeah, that's for your top loading, and this also telescopes all oh, the way wow. up to the roof. I mean, yeah. to the ceiling. This like and a, this uh, is an antenna tuner. It's a transmitting antenna. Transmitter? Yeah. No, I mean it's a trans transmitting antenna. You can put a ground on it. Okay. Uh, just you know, counterpoise. Just lay it on yeah. the floor. Just lay the whole thing on the floor. Move this antenna up and extend this out, and you have this a complete you top loading and it keeps right. You from having to go so tall. Right. Now, is this a product that you guys are thinking about making? Well, it was something I was playing with. Yeah, we could make this. I was thinking about it, but I never got around to finishing it. I know a lot of a lot of things that you make here over the years are ideas that people send you little uh, notes or you talk to people that come visit, and uh, uh, you'll write those things down in your book there, and sometimes sometimes you know, those ideas. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but that, those are all Arduino powered with a GPS, and that's Glenn, another one of my favorites. Okay, I, would, well, I think we're coming back up now. Let's see. Yeah, by the way, I am building. I am building a new kind of Morse code key, and need to do, need to write an Arduino keyer for it. Might be able to adapt other people's stuff, but I'm also just might write my own from scratch. Okay, you're talking about like an iambic paddle keyer? Uh, sort of, more like single paddle, but I could do iambic too. Um, because I would highly recommend, uh, I don't know which book it's in. I don't know if it's in the ARRL or the Elector, but I have the latest version of that in one of these books. I can look it up and tell you which one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All right, well, I think we're back on. Let me see here. Let me just get in here and say something here. Okay, guys, I think we might be back on. Uh, you may have to hit your refresh um, if you... There you go. Yeah, you You may have to, have to hit your refresh button. Did, did it come back on, Glenn, for you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you, so, you're, you're back live. So we're back. Okay, so we'll go ahead and continue here. I, uh, I'm not sure what the failure was here. Um the uh, YouTube dashboard said the show had ended. Um, I did restart the uh, Wirecast encoder, and it seemed to allow us to start a new show. Don't know why uh, we ended, but anyway, we're going to pick back up. Uh, we're going to we're going to pick right back up where we were. We've got a few more minutes of this. Uh, yeah, Russians probably did it. Let's see. Uh, here we go. Here we go, here we go. We're fixed to get right back into the uh, manufacturing assembly area here uh, next. Uh, but I don't know where Randy went. He said he was... Oh, Randy's okay. working on the... Uh, he's on the women's uh, bathroom. Because I think he was going to take you to shop first yeah we'll go in a minute and then come back and i might be back i might not but if not then hank is my number, my number okay two guy. unless it's mr jude he's number one guy hey, i you know if martin can't tell us what something is i've been here a couple of times i could probably describe it okay. <laughs> yeah come on martin let's see what do you want to see uh, is he let's see what he's working on 
Oh, he's not here. He's not here. Okay. Well. Oh, let's look at the loop here. This is the the automatic loop. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man. That's a pretty big capacitor you've got in there, Martin. Yeah, that's that's uh, that operate down to 40 meters. And there's the automatic loop tuning box, that black box over there. Okay. Yeah. What kind of power will this handle? Uh, it's not terribly great spacing, but there's a lot of voltage here. Yeah, a lot of voltage. Oh, it, it'll handle at least 150 watts. I've, I've had these up to four or 500 watts, yeah. but we don't like to rate it at that level. And, you know, on our show, we've been talking about building some loops, and we've been experimenting with several. And But the, the nice thing about all your stuff is welded here, man. There are no uh, uh, contact points. That's right. That's right. Everything is welded. Even the capacitor is welded. Every plate of the capacitor is welded. You know, these capacitors are available. If anybody needs a, a, a butterfly really high efficient capacitor, they're available from and us. You, you stamp these out and you make these here? Yeah, we do. We make the entire capacitor. All the parts we make on. Well, that's cool. Even your, uh, even the, the plastic here? Yeah, there. yeah. Vacuum form. Let's walk back in the back and see what's going on back here. Go right ahead. Oh, not today. Let's just stick our head in here in the service. Hey, hey, service department guys, how you doing, man? Doing, doing good. We're just down visiting again today, and we uh, just want to stick our heads in. How's service today? That's great. Doing good. Uh, we um, get some things done. Um, today about almost the end of the week, so um, normally the phone is not ringing as much as ring about the first part of the week, and that gives us a chance to get some work done. But uh, yes, sir. Well, cool. Good. Keep it running. Keep it running, man. If you look down here, there's 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 actually three boards. This one right here, one, two, three, and these boards are connected together by this ribbon, and you just break them apart. I was gonna say that's a big roll of solder, but that's wire. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that is uh, that's that's cool. So it starts there, and it kind of goes down through here, and we've got it becomes. A tuner at the end of the line. Okay. All right. That's the big. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. I don't know. What is it? device that takes the um, uh, signal and noise from the main antenna and then you connect another antenna that picks up more to noise and then you combine them. Kind of like a diversity uh, well, deal? Or well, no. It, you, you, you adjust the magnitude and the phase so the magnitudes are equal and the phase is 180 degrees out for the noise, and the noise gets canceled out, and it leaves the signal. So, now, is this audio or is this uh, uh, RF? This is RF. That's yeah. that's cool. Yeah. 
And you can have two stations, let's say, for example, two broadcast stations on the AM band on exactly the same frequency but uh, at different locations. Well, you can notch out one of those stations and hear the other one on the same frequency. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. More tuners. And what are we? This is a uh, same. This we've already looked at. This is a tuner, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, look! Here's the rig pie, guys. You know we've been talking about the rig pie for a long time, and here's a uh, uh, a bunch of rig pies being built. This is based on the uh, Raspberry Pi, and uh, yeah. Well, that is uh, so cool. This is, I guess, these go in the rig pie. I think that's part of the soundboard. Yeah, that's the soundboard. Okay. Hello, Mark. How are you, Mark? Seventy-five TXR. How you doing? Yeah, you got a wire around your arm there. You gonna electrocute me? No, I'm grounded. Okay. All right, very good. I just want to make sure. You know, I. Didn't want to get, uh, you know, electrocuted there. Well, that's, that's a pretty standard workbench, you know. Okay. All right. Well, get that tuner fixed here, man. All right. Let's see what we got down here. Bias keys. I'm going to pick one up, but I'm going to put it right back where I got it. There's a bias T, guys. If you don't want to run an extra cable out to your tuner or antenna switch, this is all it takes. This is a bias T. This lets you run your DC voltage, like 12 volts or whatever, out across your coax. So there it is right there. And who am I talking to here? I'm John, uh, KG5 AMU. AMU. Hey, John. Uh, what are you working on down here? Uh, anything and everything. A catch everything type guy, right? Well, good, very good. What's this pile of stuff you got here? This is something that's been being built right here. Yes, those are the boards I've just finished pre-testing, getting them cleaned up, all the shorts, everything cleaned off the back. That way our testers can have an easier time, get it done quicker. Okay. Well, very good. Hello, Jason. Hey, how are you? Turn around this way. Oh, hold on. Hold so on. there we go. <laughs> hey, what are you working on here? Oh, that's. It looks like an audio, a USB to audio converter or something. Yeah, this is actually the sound cards that go on the, the 1204, the sound card interfaces. What's the 1204? The uh, sound card interface does all the digital oh, modes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about now. That's it. You know, Martin, that will also work in a rig pie. Did you know that? You can plug it in and have a different soundboard in a rig pie. Good idea. A regenerative receiver, okay. Let's see what he's working on here. Oh, hey, that's a cool looking little. Let's turn it around where you can see it. Cool. And uh, what what kind of is that? Looks like it covers pretty much the shortwave spectrum, doesn't it? So like three to thirty. Yeah, twenty-three, twenty-four. Yeah, okay. That's cool. 
Now that, that that's uh the that's your MFJ uh product. That, does, that Vectronics. Don't don't you have some kits in Vectronics that are, are similar to that? Okay. Kit space spanner regenerative receivers. Okay. Oh, I, I hear some. I, is that a toroid winding or something? I hear noise. Let's let's see if we can watch a toroid being wound here. Where uh, where is it? Right back here. Toroid toroid noise. Oh, it was way back here. There we go. We want to watch you make a toroid here. You know what's your name? My name Monique. Monique? Hey, Monique. Uh, are you going to make a toroid there? Yes, sir. All right, cool. Okay. Oh, gee. We're going 14 turns. That's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 turns. My goodness. And I was wondering how that machine was going to wrap that wire around and around that thing, but it grabs it on the top up there. That's so cool, man. Do you ever, you ever, hey, the big boss is here, but hey, okay. you ever got your finger caught in that no. thing? You never have? No, I never have. Okay. Well, pay, you know, pay attention yeah, to. Pay attention. Yeah. I, they turn it, they, mm -hmm. they turn the uh, toroid as it, as it puts it on there. That is so cool. That's so much easier than, that's so much easier than winding it by a uh, hand. So, you just put it in that little hook right there, and it, mm -hmm. it pulls it through. Yeah. Yeah. I never knew how a sewing machine worked. I still can't figure that thing out, man. Okay, cool. Let's go back here and see what we missed here. Something going on? Famous dummy load. Now, do you have to supply your own oil for these? Miracle oil? I mean, uh, uh, something? Well, we, or? we have transformer oil. Transformer oil, okay. You can use mineral oil. Um, they come in gallon jugs. Could you use uh, used motor oil? Uh, motor oil wouldn't work very well. It wouldn't? Uh, oh, I didn't know that. You know, I remember when these things came out many, many, well, even the 60s. I'm sure they were before that. Uh, they claimed they came out with the uh, transformer oil, PCB oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the old stuff. Yeah. yeah, they don't make that anymore. There's still transformer oil, but it doesn't have that in it. This is a vent hose. I see that. Uh huh. A vent, and this is uh this a handle what a kilowatt? Uh, yeah, a thousand watt continuous. Yeah. For ten minutes. Derating curve on it. There's a graph. Very good. Okay, good. All right. That's a mount for a window. A window mount. Uh, the window comes down here, or our right. window comes down, and this clamps onto the window. And then your antenna goes out. It can go out this way, it can go down, it can go over this way, or it can come up. So it's a real versatile mount. You can mount. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can even mount this onto a table like that and uh, <coughs> use it inside. That is uh, that's, that's that's cool. That's cool. Do you sell many of these right here? Okay. That's interesting. It's an RF design box. It's got variable capacitors, yeah. variable inductors. Um, it's got uh, fixed capacitors you can switch in. 
And um, no, you can build an antenna tuner with this, yeah. uh, a matching network, and get everything all working. Uh, it's all in one thing. I remember uh, the early years, you know, your capacitance boxes and your resistance boxes. It's kind of similar, but this is all in one. Yeah, and all the connections come out to these binding posts, so you can connect them any way you want to. All right. Yeah. Look at the way that we uh, make this. Uh, let's see if I have one here. There it is. Yeah, yeah, see? Okay. And that's spacism. <coughs> and oh. then um, we take a switch and... Oh, uh, yeah. Like an yeah. Actually, uh, picks, off <coughs> picks off the inductance here. Yeah. We we take the insulation off and then just lay the switch on it and solder it. This is for QRP oh. tuning. Oh, okay. Okay. This is for higher power tuning. Okay. What do we got? Oh, that's the bias T. More bias T's. Okay. You have, you have power power pole. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's cool. Let me step around here. So this goes in your power pole. That's cool. Okay. Now, uh, do y'all still make your own coils yeah, here? Okay. strength of that is on the inside here. Oh, That's yeah. a solid fiberglass rod there. Yeah. And um, you, it, these wires are spaced so you can put an alligator clip on it and make this adjustable. This is a 3 8 by 24 uh -huh. on, on both ends so you can screw this into a bumper mount or, or center load it. Is this what you use on your mobile? Uh, this yeah. Coil? yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a good Really very, good call. Very, yeah, very solid. Very high Q. All right. <coughs> this is uh, the boxes for your power poles. That's cool. Well, don't know what it is, but uh, an analyzers. Okay. This is a DC filter. Uh huh. <coughs> for your. Uh, that take like a uh, wine alternator wine out. And yeah, like yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. These are just the boxes for them. Uh -huh. Here we go into the antenna analyzers. Uh, microscope station for finding shorts. Okay. Uh, on the bottom PC boards. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a binocular microscope. Yeah, yeah. This is probably one of the best deals I think you make at your antenna analyzer. Yeah. And you've got a couple different models. I think one that uh, one that goes through uh, 450, and then one that goes up to like 220 or yeah. something. Like yeah, that. yeah. We have two. Two models, and then plus we have some others that's, that's got graphical yeah. displays on them. And uh, 
It looks like this must be a hot product. It is. That's one of our best sellers. When did, uh, when did you first come out like with the antenna analyzer? Okay, you know, we were the first one to develop these. This is back oh, early 90s. Yeah, yeah we, had a, we had the very first ones. Uh, it's a great thing to have. Man. Yeah. It started off as a RF resistance meter, and then it, all of a sudden it came to my mind, well, why don't I make this thing measure SWR? And that was the beginning of these things. Well, you know, as we look at all the different things you have here, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing that you've got so many different products. How many, how many products you got in your catalog now, do you know? It's over 2,000. And, and, you know, I bet you just about every ham shack in the United States has at least one MFJ product. And, I, and there, you got a lot of international stuff, too, going, hadn't you? Okay. Just to... The capacitor here, when we weld it, if you look down here, uh, you see an aluminum plate. Yeah. And we bolt that plate on it, so when we weld it, that plate becomes a heat sink, and it keeps the plates from warping. Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and once we finish welding it, that plate comes off, and it's replaced by an insulating fiberglass plate. That's probably something you learned over the years as this thing evolved, right? This is the uh, uh, this is the butterfly capacitors, and you can see why it's called a butterfly from the shape. And all of these plates are tumbled so all the edges are smooth so it doesn't arc. This is for the uh, version that goes to 40 meters, and the smaller ones over there were goes down to 30 meters. Okay. Uh, and some more coil. We make these coils too. And the, uh, you, you make that over in the at the, right? Yeah, yeah. That's in, in the building where uh, all the CNC punch presses are. Okay. We'll see yeah. that maybe in yeah. yeah. All right. Here is a manual screwdriver. Manual screwdriver. Yeah, you just slide it up and down yeah. by hand. Now, so it got like a little yeah. thing that, t that yeah. it touches here. Yeah, right there. Right there. There's a beryllium strip that goes around there. Well, sounds like your toroid lady is just built. You must you must use a lot of toroids here. Yeah. We're uh, we're looking at some of your tuners. I've got a tuner like this. These rotors, we make these rotors. We make these capacitors. When we walk down on the other end, you can see uh, the lady making these capacitors and rotors. These are expensive parts, and you found a way to build your own instead of buying it. If you had to buy that, it would probably greatly increase the cost. Yeah, it'd be very expensive. These are available uh, to whoever uh, you know. Needs to yeah, if they build something. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Now, we're uh, looks like we're checking out a tuner here. Yeah. 
one of the things I've noticed in many of your positions around here, you have an HF radio, I guess, and you use an HF radio to uh, to check stuff out. Yeah, plus that goes into an amplifier. Oh, oh okay. And that way you can check it out for power, too. Mm -hmm. Cool. I know we're going kind of fast, but you got so much, so much to see here, man. Balance tuner. Are we going back backwards? No, no, oh, we should have started there. And okay. I love the balance tuners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a truly balanced tuner, and it's a very wide range T network. So, what makes it a real balance besides the the balance that's in there? I mean, it's got two tuners built into it. Okay. And if you look at the inside there are four capacitors that are gain. Okay, all right. Okay. So we're going from uh, finished to the beginning. We're, we're going the wrong way, but that's okay. Oh, that is, uh, that's neat. Yeah, let's, let's turn it around. Let's turn it around so people can see it. See, when you turn this knob, you see these capacitors turning. Now, let's, let's, let's check this out. Is that kind of like a, a differential capacitor, except you get, you're using two different ones in a well, configuration? Well, they are turning and have the same value when they're set right. See, right now they're both closed. Right. Then when I open one of them, the other one opens up. Okay. So they're okay. just kind of synced together. So that's not really a diff differential's uh, opposite of that. Yeah. 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 This is the uh, T-network. It's one uh, on... The capacitors on each yeah. side of the T. That would actually be more like a butterfly capacitor, wouldn't it? Uh, well, uh, when one, well, no. Let's see. When uh, one gets maximum capacitance, the other one, well, the other one gets max too, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. What? See, a T network is a, it's right. a coil on the ground and then a capacitor on each side. Right. Well, there's two of them. There's one on the top and then one on the bottom, and these two outside capacitors, one that turns at the same time. And on okay. the inside, they turn at the same time. Yeah. And this small coil here is for the uh, the uh, six meters. I, I built a T network uh, this week, okay. and uh, boy, it, it tunes just about anything. It is so so uh, cool. That's the advantage of a T network. Yeah. It's super wide range. These are uh, rollers that are ready to be put into tuners, and they're they're just uh, finish building them. <coughs> um, so, th and, and you built this this tuner. Mm -hmm. We do all the parts. We punch out all these fiberglass pieces. Uh -huh. We do. We machine all these rods and these blocks. And if you look right here, these are bearings. That uh, they these are non binding bearings. See the inside of that swivel, so it never binds. Oh, okay. And this is a contact for it. These are, uh, this is your uh, differential, differential for your uh, T-tuner. Now, that's a butterfly right here. Right, right. You can see that, you can see the inside, that's the butterfly. Well, on a butterfly, each one of them uh, kind of track each other, don't they? Like maximum, uh, maximum, minimum, minimum. Uh, uh, well, yeah, each side. We have the same value, right? right? 
Yeah. Right. Whereas, on, I guess, on the differential, it, it's opposite, right? right? One has minimum, one has maximum. Right. One goes up, one goes down. Right. Now, if you notice, this uh, loop capacitor here, mm -hmm. the contacts go... All right, well, I think <clears throat> that may have been the end of it. Uh, looks like we got to the end of it anyway. Hey, guys, thanks for watching tonight. Sorry about all the trouble we had. Uh, hope you saw some of the uh, activity in MFJ there that uh, you've never seen before. And uh, thanks for sticking with us. Don't know why we had an outage tonight, but uh, we recovered. Glenn and I are going to the Hempfest in uh, Arkansas this uh, coming weekend. We'll report next weekend on uh, what we saw. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you uh, next week.